This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. never done this but i'm just gonna say it right out of the gate triple eight say espn 888-729-3776 where you at anthony davis apologist because last time i checked one show told you you cannot rely on ad and that show last night looks really stinking smart it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, uh, you know, any any team losing other than, you know, my beloved Raiders gives me joy. But outside of that, Harry, I don't get a lot of love or joy one way or the other. But, man, I love being right. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. And last night, we went into last night's game anticipating certain things that we would see, some nuanced changes that we'll go into. But we also said yesterday, I said, you can't trust AD. And that's why I didn't trust the Lakers in game two and guess who was irrelevant in last night's game one Anthony Davis so now all of a sudden not only do we get a win by Golden State we get a shellacking by the Warriors the Warriors went in there and said you get a bucket you get a bucket you get a bucket and they sent the Lakers home embarrassed from a game two effort where they weren't even competitive Golden State evens the series at one each oh yes the uh, the Warriors were passing out buckets like parents do on Halloween to kids who are going <laughs> trick-or-treating every now and then excuse me not every now and then every time I turn my head on the airplane fence, because that's why I started watching the game at, right? I would look at my wife. She was asleep. I would look back at the screen. Damn it, Craig, Clay Thompson didn't hit another three. He hit another one, Fitz. The Warriors were phenomenal last night in game two. Yeah, they were phenomenal in every possible way, but they were particularly phenomenal in how they attacked Anthony Davis. Now, this is going to be part of the conversation to why Davis wasn't as effective and something that was broken down in a really smart way by our very own C.J. McCollum, ESPN NBA analyst, this morning on SportsCenter. For them to win this series, he has to be extremely aggressive. He has to get up a lot more than 11 shots, and he has to get to the free throw line. I thought the Warriors did a tremendous job of keeping him off the free throw line, being aggressive, keeping hands on him, And most importantly, the key to that game was how much Steph Curry played in pick and roll. There was a lot of pick and rolls, which means AD's got to move those puppies. He's got to get out towards half court. And that takes away a lot of his his energy, especially after playing 44 minutes in game one. Harry, I'll give you a little note here. More assists than Steph has ever had in a playoff game under Steve Kerr. And one thing that, that we were told at the end of game one by Steph is that they felt like the game plan was to try and funnel everybody into the lane. Funnel into the lane, right? What we saw last night is that that funneling into the lane gave Curry all sorts of opportunity off pick and roll to just dump off to somebody else attacking the basket. They took advantage of that defensive game plan, made a great adjustment, and made Anthony Davis irrelevant. Well, yeah, that was the big adjustment from game one. Put the ball in Steph Curry uh, in, in his hands and allow him to be the playmaker, right? So now you put Anthony Davis in a pick and roll situation and all Already starting a guy named Jim Michael Green, Anthony Davis can't be and play that drop coverage like he was playing in game one to sit in the lane and try to alter shots in the paint. So you put him in a bad predicament, but now he's exerting so much energy on the defensive end. When it gets to the offensive end, he's turning the ball over, in which he had four of them. He's not being as aggressive as he was in game one. But it's all because you have Steph Curry with the ball in his hands and you're putting Anthony Davis in a pick-and-roll situation. Now he has to make decisions. They, they highlighted a great play. 
this morning. I think it was either get up or first take of Jordan Poole taking a ball out and Anthony Davis when Kevon Looney was in the game playing like in the paint and Steph Curry cut and they passed it to him. Steph Curry got a good look, knocked down the shot. If you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't give the greatest shooter of all time open space. But these are the these are the debacles. The Golden State Warriors and their ball movement and their adjustment and their Hall of Fame coach Steve Kerr that that he's going to make time and time again throughout this series. One of the things I love about when we talk basketball on this show is that Harry's going to rely on what he sees in his eyes, and then I'm going to dig through all the information and data I can to see if there's anything in, in advanced numbers that supports it. That, that's sort of an identity for how we're covering these playoffs. So now, Harry, that you've made a great point about AD, I'm going to give you a second spectrum stat that supports it. All right, The Lakers allowed 1.88 points per chance against on-ball screens when Davis was a screener defender. For that, that, That's high. How high is that? In his entire career, in Anthony Davis's entire career, that is the highest number that he has ever given up in those situations, and it is the highest number we've seen in a decade. So when you talk about AD wasn't ready for it, the numbers show what you're talking about. AD wasn't able to move fast enough out of it. The Warriors saw it. The Warriors took advantage of it, and it speaks to something you and I talked about yesterday. Steve Kerr had a full day to sit there and say, man, what do we do? In the lane particularly, what are we doing? And it felt like they came out with a perfect game plan for it that AD wasn't ready for. Well, I think it's brilliance because if AD is going to be the catalyst, and we all think he is, to the to the Los Angeles Lakers moving forward. We've seen what he did in Game 1. What, uh, 30 points and just dominated that game over and over again on both ends of the floor. Okay, so you know what? I'm not going to allow him to just sit back on defense. I'm going to force him to work. I'm going to force him to work on both ends. So therefore, when he gets to the offensive end, he's a little bit fatigued. He's a little bit tired. And that's when we've seen those turnovers start to happen. And we've seen easy, chippy shots at the basket that I, I don't think I've ever seen Anthony Davis miss that easily. He was missing last night. Now, he still had 11 points, and he was 5 for 11 from the field. But I didn't think his aggressiveness, I don't think he was aggressive enough. And I also thought he missed some chippies, but that's all because of the compromisable situations that they put him in on the defensive end. Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, putting him in that pick and roll, also starting a guy named Jermichael Green. Now you have the floor being spaced a little bit more. And I'm proud that he was aggressive enough to go ahead and take shots and to the point to where he had 15 last night, right? Yeah. At 15 points, ready for the moment, Johnny on the spot. Don't get ready. Already be ready. Jermichael Green was already ready. And, and I love that point because he was ready from the outset. One thing that stunned me, and, and look, for anyone that was watching the broadcast, none of us knew that Kevon Looney was going to be limited. None of us, right? And they yep. even went back to the NBA countdown crew, and they asked Stephen A. and Michael Wilbon and Jalen, like experts in this world, they asked them if they were more concerned about their Warriors pick knowing that. Now, obviously, everybody, myself included, like I have money on this game, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I don't love losing the rebound production of Kevon Looney. And everybody was asking, how is it going to be done? And the answer was it was going to take a whole team. We didn't know what to expect. What stunned me is in the first five minutes of the first, right, what did we see? We saw Jermichael with the confidence and the go-ahead to shoot. There was one period where he, one point where he missed a couple of wide-open threes in a row, and when he got that ball again, what did he do? He set, he shot, he made it. Like that. There's a level of confidence in him, but also level in confidence that the coaching staff has given in him. They'd obviously given him the go-ahead to be the best version of himself in that situation. I think that's key. Well, I think... 
even to the point of if you watched that game last night and you heard Mike Breen and you heard Stan Van Gundy and also I mean Jeff Van Gundy and also Mark Jackson, the Warriors were getting so many wide open looks because of the spacing, the passing, the cutting, the attention that the shooters you know demand on whoever's playing defense. And in, in, in last night's case, it was the Lakers to the point that they were saying the the, the the Warriors are getting great shots. Great shots. And I would live with Jermichael Green shooting wide open shots, whether he makes it or miss it. Now, you, you want him to make it, but he ended up being 50% from the three-point line and shot six for nine from the field. That's another offensive threat coming into this series that the Los Angeles Lakers and Darvin Ham didn't think they were going to have to deal with. But that also comes back. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry. That also comes back to what we were talking about, bringing the ball up the court. Because Steph, again, like I said earlier, he had 12 assists. That's his most in any playoff game under Steve Kerr. But I think this is really incredible. The Warriors were 9 for 9. 9 for 9. 100% on two-pointers off of passes from Curry. So when Curry got in the lane and had the opportunity to kick out, people were finishing. And you've talked about it so much. These series are defined by which other person is going to be able to make those open shots, something that didn't happen in game one for the Warriors. They had open threes. They didn't make them. They did in game two. You know what? Draymond Green started that game off being aggressive. Aggressive. When he got into the lane, when he got passes in the lane, he was decisive in knowing what he wanted to do. It was not no hesitation. I'm looking to pass. Nope. Put the ball in the bucket. That's what I was taught when I was four years old. That's what he did last night. Uh, you're a thousand percent right. And he was absolutely a key, just as we thought he might be. Anthony Davis was asked how much changed from game one to game two after the game. This was his response. I took all the same shots I took in game one. Uh, you know, just missed them. Um, elbow jumpers. Uh, pocket passes to, to the floater, same exact looks. Uh, didn't shoot no shot that I didn't shoot in game one. Uh, just missed him. Um, that's all. He better hope something changes from game two to game three, though, because that was an absolute bludgeoning by the Warriors. Now, that's one angle of this. But remember, we kept asking what would happen when the Lakers eventually got a LeBron game. They did last night. The question is, did they waste it? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM, Channel 80. The NBA Playoffs. Steph Curry for three. Everything's coming up. Warriors here in the third quarter. Against this team, controlling the tempo and the pace is huge. Continuing coverage of the NBA Playoffs. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Playoffs. Steph Curry for three. Everything's coming up. Warriors here in the third quarter. Against this team, controlling the tempo and the pace is huge. Like we want to run, be opportunistic around it, but we can't just be in control of chaos because they can be disruptive on defense. Continuing coverage of the NBA playoffs. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. That voiceover whew, made my no-no say yes, yes. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Yes. I would love to. Can you play that one more time, Devin? This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Harry? 
You know, people tweet me all the time and say, yeah, why don't you make your voice lower? If I could, I would. If I could say anything as sensually as he just said that, that's the only way I would speak. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Oh, that makes the hair on the back of my <laughs> neck stand up. Oh, yes, it is Love Friday. It's also Cinco de Mayo, so you'll notice a little theme to our love music. Set in a mood Friday afternoon for Friday night, especially for Harry. Harry's in Louisville getting ready for the Kentucky Derby. I mean... Harry's going to be ready. Uh, And also, you know, my wife, her favorite type of food is Mexican food. So I can't wait. As soon as I'm done with the show, I'm going to go pick her up. We're going to go eat some Mexican food. She doesn't drink, but I do. So I'm going to drink me a lot of tequila. Agave. Agave is what I need in my system today, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I said it. Tequila on me. Tequila on three. You guys can chime in on this on on Twitter, too, at Jason Fitz, at HDouglas83, at Fitz and Harry. Uh, I'm I'm having a little bit of a I don't know what to do with Cinco de Mayo right now because, like, part of me thinks that, like, first and foremost, whatever I do, I'm going to Uber there. Like, I'm going to be very responsible. That's right. The question is, as you know, we covered earlier in the week, I like Mexican food places that are like, you know, everything's in tinfoil covered in some sort of canned cheese and you have no idea what the product is in it. Like, that's my favorite kind of Mexican food. So the question is, do I go to like the Mexican dive restaurant and get margaritas there? Or do I just go to Chili's where they have delightful like <gasps> fajitas and How like they have big you. like presidential margaritas? You dirty rat, you. I mean, like, Devin, should you go to Chili's? Devin's going to, I think Devin's joining what me. What we're not going to do is disparage the great Chili's right. on the show. That will Which not I'm happen. not going to do on Cinco de Mayo is go to some chilies to I, eat Mexican food. Chilies is an American delight. You go delight. to the Mexican restaurant and you try to find the, the most hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant that you can find. And you go in there and you embrace that food. You embrace that culture. I, well, here's the problem, though. Like, chips and salsa, like, I'm a Chili's Rewards member, so the chips and salsa, bang, they come to the table for free. Presidential margaritas are upgraded. They're huge and they're tasty, all right? They're going to be on special, I'm sure. And then Ch- Chili's has great fajitas. So, like, I can still have fajitas, chips and salsa, and the presidential uh, margarita. I'm talking myself into Chili's, right, as, as we speak. But, but let me ask you this. Okay. You can go to Chili's anytime. How often are you going to go to a traditional Mexican restaurant? Well, you're talking about two of my favorites. I mean, neither one's ever off the list like again <laughs> I, they, they, these are two of the my my absolute but I, you would go to chili's more though right yeah that's right probably fair that's okay, probably yeah fair. so take okay. the other route okay Fitzenary is presented by Progressive Insurance. We keep talking like this. Maybe Chili's too. Call me Chili's. I love you. Uh, it's an NBA doubleheader tonight. Coverage begins with NBA countdown 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Boston and Philly, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. And then Denver and Phoenix, 10 p.m. Uh, on ESPN. The question is, what went wrong for the Lakers? Now, we've said some of it, and I think the answer very simply could be everything. But Darvin Ham, the head coach at his press conference for the Lakers, said this about what went wrong. The biggest thing I told him before was to fight that sensation of contentment, complacency. I don't know if it was that, but, you know, they, you could tell they came out just ready to try to secure a game. Again, not go back to our place down 0-2. I thought our guys were ready to compete. You know, we just we didn't have enough back-to-back-to-back-to-back, three stops in a row, three wholesome possessions offensively in a row. You know, it's a, we got fragmented a little bit. Best believe, we'll go back and do our preparation process, be ready to go game three. But- Ooh, I like what he said there because he said they couldn't get, you know, String together stops, you know, back to back to back to back. So that tells me that the defensive intensity was not there in game two like it was in game one. Fitz, that's an issue for me because you did it at game one, but do you have the mindset to do it for an entire series? 
You can't pick and choose games that have that defensive intensity because of how lethal the offensive players are for the Golden State Warriors. This is becoming, though, the thing that makes me angrier about the NBA than anything. For a load management world conversation, let's bench all that for a second. Because what you just said is you showed you can do it. Man, once you've shown you can bring defensive energy, once you've shown you can bring give a damn on the defensive side of the ball, how do you not do it every night when this is what's on? I understand how you don't do it every night on a February, March, regular season game. Maybe you don't. I understand that sometimes you can come out flat. And I know athletics far different than than music. I'm not trying to compare the two, but Harry, you know, I was in country music for how long, right? Like we played, our busiest year, we played 300 concerts. Am I going to tell you that all 300 concerts were great? No. There are some nights that you just come out and you don't have it. You wish you had it, but you're doing 300 shows. That's a much bigger difference than like, okay, now you're playing the American Music Awards. You got to bring your everything. Like when you have a certain platform, you don't get to have excuses about why you can't bring energy. If it's simply a let's play like we give a damn, that's on the Lakers to not play like they give a damn on a night. Like this is why I don't trust this basketball team. Well, also you can't be just happy with winning game one. You have a a chance to go up 2-0. You got to have that intensity that you had in the previous game. You have to, and I'm going to say this the best way I can, without getting canceled. You have that mindset going into every game? You got to let them drop. You got to let them drop every single time you go out there on the court. You got to let them drop, Fitz, and you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And, I like, I agree with you. The fact that just at the very beginning, I'm only going to play you the very beginning of what Darvin Ham said here again. The biggest thing I told him before was to fight that sensation of contentment. Hmm. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Mm. You're in a series against the defending champions with a bunch of Hall of Famers against you in what's supposed to be the most anticipated second-round matchup we've ever seen, and your head coach has to say this? The biggest thing I told him before was to fight that sensation of contentment. How the hell wait, are you going to have wait, that? Wait, wait a minute, though. You shouldn't have it at all. Right. With how your regular season went, how you barely got into the playoffs— I don't think you should have that mindset regardless. You're, you're up one nothing. You have a chance to go up 2 nothing and really put this whole series away. You know how you played in game one. You have a chance to go out and make a statement about who you are, and your coach has to remind you not to have a sense of contentment, and then you still come out with a sense of content. Like you, Your point is a good one, Harry. They didn't bring the same level of defensive energy. I know we were going to talk about LeBron here, but the more I listen to Darvin Ham talk about this, the more I just sit here and say, this is what drives me crazy about this team and several teams throughout the process of the can NBA. I, can, I say, can I say it again? Can I say it again for, yes. for everyone who yes. didn't hear me? with some flavor. You got to let them drop. <laughs> Lakers defenders, you got to let them drop every single time you step out on that court against the lethal offensive weapons that the Golden State Warriors have. I said one more time for the people in the back that didn't hear me. You gotta let them drop. And y'all read between the lines on what I'm talking about. I, I, here's the thing. I remember so distinctly your one of one of the first times we ever met, you and me. We were in we were doing a college football national championship show. We were in Atlanta and you were just sharing some memories of playing in the league. And one thing that we connected on as human beings in that first conversation, you said, 
one thing as we were talking about life and trying to make it in this business, because this is back in, I think, 2019, maybe 20, around then. Uh, you looked at me and you said, a damn sure won't be outworked. And that's one thing we've always had in common. It's like, I, I look, people may love or hate the work that I do, but I won't be outworked. That's just a basic principle. That's right. All I want from teams at this level with this much on the line is to have that same level of I damn sure won't be outworked. And that was missing last night on the defensive side of the ball for the Lakers. There, there's no two ways about it. Well, I was always taught from coaches, there are two things that I'm not going to coach, energy and effort. I'm not, I'm not coaching those things. Those are things that you should bring to the table every time that you step out there on a playing field, a playing court, or, or a swimming pool. If, you, if you're swimming and competing, any time that you compete, energy and effort, that should always be brought to the equation, no matter what. Again, tonight, you've got an NBA triple or doubleheader, I should say. NBA countdown, 7 p.m. Then you've got Boston and Philly, 7.30 p.m. Denver and Phoenix, 10 p.m. That's all on ESPN. And the NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night. The Lakers host the Warriors, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. That's 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. You don't want to miss it. In the meantime, I promise you we will get to it. We will get to it. Did the Lakers waste their LeBron game of this series? Plus, some staggering stats on AD you won't believe. We'll give them to you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thompson with a three. That is good. Top of the key. Play Thompson. A game high 28. He is 8 of 11 from deep. Came out. Offense is flowing. Turnovers are low. They're an open man. We keep it simple. The floodgates can open. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Drops it off to Green, right angle. Two dribbles to the bucket, and he dunks it uncontested. Golden State by 13. I was disgusted with my performance as if I didn't know how to play on both ends. I took that to the heart, and I knew that I would have to come out and have a good game in order for us to win. Thompson with a three. That is good. Top of the key. Play Thompson. Came out. Offense is flowing. Turnovers are low. They're an open man. We keep it simple. The floodgates can open. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You just heard Draymond say he needed to have a good game, and he did. Let's give him a little credit. Game one, Anthony Davis scored 18 points in the paint, where he was 9 of 13 in game two. Eight points in the paint, four of eight. A little bit of an emphasis there. Also an emphasis on love Fridays, Harry. Feels good. And it does not feel good today if you're a Lakers fan. We'll get some expertise on it in a second. But here's the question. The question you and I asked ourselves yesterday. Mm -hmm. Would the Lakers be able to win the LeBron game? There's always a game in these series where LeBron comes in and just imposes his will. He is completely dominant, and he's able to do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. And the weird part is... That's exactly what was happening in the first quarter, the first half. 
21 points in the first half, and LeBron was single-handedly keeping him in this game. It was pretty wild to watch. In fact, Darvin Ham, the head coach of the Lakers, said this about what went wrong for the Lakers. My gut feeling, my instincts tell to me that my eyes saw us settle a little bit, mishandle the ball some early. We were right there early on, neck and neck. But uh, a couple of possessions got away from us early, um, and I just thought they did a good job of crowding the paint and uh, not allowing us trying to prevent us from playing downhill as much. And that in turn affect, you know, what affects what we do at the free throw line. So we'll go back to the drawing board and look at uh, different ways we can sustain what we did well and what we've done well over these, the, the course of these first two games and then look at what we can possibly do better. But AC, yeah. he's saying that they played well early. LeBron played well early. Yeah. LeBron and I think Hachimura, the, yeah. those two guys really kept the Lakers um, in, in the game early on. But even... With those two guys playing the way they did early, the Lakers were still down 11 points at halftime. And Fitz, it leads me to say, before yesterday, I thought LeBron is probably going to have one or two games where he just dominates and, and he's the king and he's that guy, right? He, he's the best player on the court. But after watching yesterday what he did in the first half and having 21 points and you know just being everything the Lakers needed him to be, they still found themselves in a situation where they were still down and the Warriors were just that much better. So I think, in summary, what I'm saying is that the catalyst is Anthony Davis. Like, LeBron can go off and have these hellified games, but if Anthony Davis is subpar, I don't know if it's going to matter in this series. Anthony Davis has to be... They have to be Batman and Batman. They can't be Batman and... Whatever other superhero that's not that good. Yeah, Robin. Batman and Robin. Uh, And look, Harry, I think you're 1,000% right. I wasn't confident that a LeBron game would win against a team like Golden State. Now, Tremaine has tweeted us and said, y'all are funny. Again, best record since the All-Star break. It went the same way in Memphis. Y'all thought they would sweep Golden State? No, but you also have to watch it and give context to it. Like, I didn't expect that Memphis would absolutely implode in front of everybody's eyes, and I've said pretty loudly I was wrong about the Lakers in that first round. I think they dominated dominated their way to a win, but you can't deny the fact that through two games, at this point, what looked one way game one looked drastically different the second game, and that's a variable that the Lakers control. I, I, I don't think there's any problem saying, hey, the Lakers didn't control the things that they should be able to control. And on a night where, to your point, LeBron went off in the first half, it wasn't making it close at halftime. Like, I didn't sit there and look at this at halftime and say, oh, this is anybody's game. I looked at this at halftime and thought, my God, this is a Herculean lift. Like, this is a next-level lift by LeBron, and they're still getting their asses kicked. Like, let's be honest about that. Well, here's what's funny about what Darvin Ham just heard, uh, just said in that sound we just had. He talked about he talked about his team settling, right, settling for jump shots. Well, that's what the Warriors want him to do because I don't think the Lakers have just lethal shooters on their team. Yeah, so you crowd the paint, make those guys shoot jump shots. It's on them if they're going to make the shots or if they're going to choose to shoot those shots. Also, he thought that took away from some of the aggressiveness. He's right because the Lakers had 26 free throws in game one. They only had 17 in game two. So kudos for the Golden State Warriors for also making that major adjustment and keeping the Los Angeles Lakers out of the paint and sending them to the free throw line. Yeah, these are all great adjustments you're talking about. And again, I'll look at some of the metrics. The Lakers picked up Steph Curry in the backcourt when he was the ball handler, 17 possessions in game two. That's the same total they did in game one. 
This time, it didn't work. The points per possession when that happened was absolutely, they destroyed the Lakers in it in game two. The Warriors adjusted. The Lakers were not capable of adjusting to it. Also, I should remind everybody, the Warriors actually had what Second Spectrum Sports would consider more wide open threes in game one than they did in two. Even though they shot better in game two, they had more wide open looks in game one. So now all of a sudden, the difference between one game and two game is now you have two games of evidence that, hey, this is where we're headed. If you're if you're the Lakers, I would be drastically worried about what you saw yesterday. Joe in Jacksonville wants to chime in. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Joe, what you got for us? Thanks for calling hey, the show. Yeah, man. So, hey, did you do your orange theory this morning? No, I missed I, I missed. <laughs> I had to go to a dietician this morning to get my, my food plan. I missed so, it. So here's the deal. Like, you know how when the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak? Oh, God, I know and this, yeah. you're, you're in that you're, you're in that orange zone, and the, the coach asks you for an all-out, and they say all-out isn't about speed. It's about what you've got left. Well, I feel like the Lakers gave what they had left, and it was just nothing left in the tank. I think they were probably working harder but going slower because they're just wiped out from game from game one, from all of the minutes in game one, from all the effort that they had to expend to get their one to then go back home. So, you know, that's where I think they are, and I don't think that you're going to see that same kind of residual effect in game three because LeBron played, what, 28 minutes? AD played, what, 26, maybe 30 minutes? Like he played 33. Right? So I yeah, so I think there's going to be, you know, a little bit fresher for a little bit longer. Um, and, and and so it'll stay competitive a little bit longer. Joe, I, by the way, I love all of that point. Uh, my all-out speed now is a 12 for everybody keeping track at home. Treadmill only goes to a 12. Whew, I'm getting them all out to 12. <laughs> I'm moving and grooving. Uh, one day I'm going to come in here and my whole face is going to be broken from when I fall flat uh, on my face during, uh, during my treadmill sprints. But uh, Joe making an orange theory. Uh, analogy is always going to get on. You know how much I love it. I'm wearing an Orange Theory hoodie uh, for you guys watching in the app. I love this analogy, though. That There is some truth to, obviously, some days your body just can't participate. I think the hardest part about it is, yes, they played less minutes, but let's remember, this is in every other night series. So they're going to have to figure out a way to get wins back-to-back at some point. Like, there is just an – this is going to be an issue. If it was an issue last night, it's going to be an issue throughout the rest of the series because you can't tell me that they're going to manage minutes every other game in this series and still feel like they have well, a chance. Well, also, the longer this series goes, advantage Warriors in my eyes because of that. Yeah. As a as a six day a week orange theorier, I appreciate that. Sometimes you just don't get the chance to get your <laughs> legs back under you. All right, we're gonna keep breaking your down this series. I want to get your thoughts. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Keep those amazing orange theory analogies coming though. It speaks to my heart. And I promise you, I will get you some stats on AD that you will not believe. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. to Los Angeles with the Lakers and Warriors tied up at one game each after Golden State bounces back to win game two. Now it's a Saturday night pivotal game three showdown. Coverage begins tomorrow at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. This is Fitz and Harry's 
Love Friday. That's right. It's Love Friday on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. This oh. is Fitz and Harry's I'm telling you. Love Friday. Harry, if I could say anything that sensually, I'd say everything that sensually. <laughs> Our show would have a much different tone. That's all I'm saying. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. You guys are fired up about this Lakers Warriors series. Triple eight say ESPN 888-729-3776. Just remember, producer extraordinaire Evan is doing God's work. Not only is he back there producing the show, he's also screening your phone calls. And Essentially, I mean, he is the height and look of a eight-year-old child. And just remember to be as nice to him as you would to an eight. Like some of you guys, <laughs> some of you guys are yelling at Evan, like you're yelling at me. Just, just yell at me. But you know, with Evan, be nice. Maybe whisper sweet nothings in his ear. Like if you want to call in and just start. So when he's like, hey, "This is Evan. What do you want to talk about?" You just go like sweet nothings, and he'll put you right on. Uh, just be nice to Evan. That's all I ask. Nick in Iowa. Nick, what do you got? Thanks for calling the show. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to show you guys some love on Love Friday. And Evan is doing God's work, so shout out to Evan. Woo! Uh, in, re- in regards to uh, Lakers-Warriors, you know, I kind of expected this is the way it's going to go. I mean, I, I thought LA would game one. I thought the Warriors would come back and get game two just because AD was dead at the end of game one. So I figured he had nothing left for this game. And I've watched plenty of basketball to know that Plenty of people like, well, you know, L.A. did their job. They got a split. Now they got home court advantage. I get all that. Uh, but one thing I will say I'm worried about is that they can't expect Golden State to implode like Memphis did. And they can't really, like, be hoping for an injury to get through this series. So that's all I got. I guess that guys love the show. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. And, by the way, great point by, like, uh, go, go, uh, sorry, that Nick. Sorry, Nick. Uh, that was a great call by Nick. Uh, great point, too, that Memphis imploded uh, the Warriors. Are not, not taking anything. That makes it sound like I'm taking things away from the Lakers. Lakers kicked the snot out of Memphis. But the Warriors are not going to make it as easy as the, the Grizzlies did at some point. Well, neither. Like, when I look at the coaching situation as well, like, you, you talk about Taylor Jenkins and you talk about Steve Kerr. You talk about a guy who's won four NBA championships with this Golden State Warriors team, not even talking about when he was with the Spurs or when he was a player with Michael Jordan, learning from Phil Jackson. He's learned from some of the greatest icons that we have in the NBA, basketball-wise, whether it's players or coaches. So he's going to do everything in his power. So I think when you look at the coaching situation, and I love Darvin Ham, but right now Steve Kerr is one. Darvin Ham, I would say zero because game one is game one. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Steve in Missouri calling. Steve, thanks for calling Fitz and Harry. What do you got for us, brother? Yes, sir. You know, I appreciate y'all. However, I think a lot of people are, you know, just passing by the thought of what the amazing job the Lakers have done to even be where they're at right now. Middle of the year, everybody thought they were dead in the water, if you would. And then they fought back. And, you know, Golden State kind of slept on them that first game probably because, you know, they didn't have the matchup with Memphis and stuff. And then they realized, okay, Lakers are here to play. So, yeah, they're going to play. And, and back to your point about, you know, players play and coaches aren't supposed to be the ones, you know, pushing them and stuff like that, I kind of think that's a little bit of bull butter, if you would. I mean, you know, extreme ownership, it is the coach's responsibility, like the GM and that owner. You know, if people aren't doing their job, it was top down. But I think the Lakers are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. It's been kind of, you know, amazing the work they put in this year to get where they are. I appreciate well, let me, y'all. Let, let me say this. Now, there was one person who said that this Lakers team – 
had a chance to, you know, win a playoff series. I'm not going to say who that person may oh, have been, but there was it was Harry. But there was one. The thing is, is that like when you run up into a team like the Golden State Warriors, who've been to six uh, NBA championships in the last eight years, winning four of them, your attention to detail has to be on point. And yes, I do agree with you because being a formal professional athlete, there are times where you might not feel like doing it. But the encouragement of your coach or when something doesn't go right, the words of your coach mean everything. I, I don't disagree with that, Harry, but would your coach need to pump you up for the AFC Championship game or the nah. NFC Championship game? Nope. That's all I'm saying. I agree with the concept. The nope. coach. By the way, Steve, if you're still with us, Steve, did you say bull butter? Like, what is what, what bull butter? Is that <laughs> is that a thing? No. Well, it's just an old saying, I guess you could say, yeah, bull butter, instead of cuffing a lot, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but no, I'm but I love... I, I love I love extreme southern like both both Harry and I have a lot of southern roots even though you know I don't always sound like it I lived in Nashville for what twenty plus years of my life uh, one of my favorite Nashvilleisms sexiest socks on a rooster it's a thing uh, but bull butter yeah bull butter it, is not going to be added to your point though if you know there's sometimes that you need your coach there for you but if he has to get you up for a second round of the playoffs against the defending you know NBA champions then you're probably in the wrong sport. That's, probably the wrong place. That's the thing that, that really hits me. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's pretty wild. I don't want to cut anybody off. I know a bunch of you guys want to chime in. We're going to let you keep chiming in. All of this speaks to inconsistency. And here's the one quick stat I would give you on Anthony Davis, because I think it's important for everybody here. We'll break it down later. But if you take player efficiency, his rating on even games so far in the playoffs this year is below that of an average NBA player. It's 13.8 versus 15 is the average. So he is below average of the average NBA player. If you take his odd games, it's 31. It's over 31. It's the highest player efficient rating, efficiency rating ever in the history of the NBA. Oh my so think gosh. about that. He goes from being the highest efficiency we've ever seen to being below average every other night. You can't tell me that's just wow. your wheels. That's not Orange Theory where I don't have anything left on my treadmill. That is too much of a drop-off. We're going to have an expert join us to hang out. We're going to do some wild NBA talk. We'll break down what those stats mean and take more of your calls coming up. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 